Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, February 28th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I am an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Chris Evangelista. Oh, hello. Chris, it's Monday. Uh, actually, before I, I was sure going to say it's Monday, so you know what that means. It's time for a new Morbius trailer. But before, <laughs> before we get into that, I actually want to apologize to the listeners for skipping the past two days of the podcast. There was uh, no episode on last Thursday or Friday. There was a miscommunication between Peter and I. Peter's actually in, I think, Orlando, um, where the new uh, Star Wars hotel uh, whole that whole situation is and i think he's on a a vacation now for like the next couple of weeks um with that being said i'm not sure what the schedule for this podcast is going to be for the next couple weeks i don't know if i'm going to have time to do it every single day so i just want to apologize for that because i would have like told people uh ahead of time if i knew that it was going to be a little wonky but um but yeah, so the next couple of weeks, like we may s- drop down to three days a week. We may, it'll be pretty sporadic, I'm guessing. So just uh, prepare for that. And then hopefully when Peter gets back from his vacation, things will sort of resume back to normal. So uh, yes, with that out of the way, Chris, let's talk about the new Morbius trailer. I remember when you and I talked about the previous Morbius trailer. God, that feels like years ago. Uh, I don't know if it actually was, but um, uh, a new one has arrived. I asked you to watch it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> do you, how much do you hate me right now? What do you oh. think about this trailer? Do you think it's an improvement uh, against the last one? Uh, give me your Morbius thoughts, Chris. Man, it's this. I feel like this is like the worst trailer yet for this movie because it's so. I mean, all the trailers have been very serious, save for that last one where it ends with him being like, "It's me, Venom." Just kidding. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. so, and this one is just straight up like 100% serious and it's like oh i have to cure diseases and i'm michael morbius i don't know it looks <laughs> it looks bad this looks this looks like the movies that were coming out before like the mcu like this looks like you know the the the, the ben affleck daredevil era mm-hmm. sort of films and maybe maybe that's kind of fun maybe it'd be cool to have sort of like a throwback like we've reached the point where we have to be nostalgic for 
the Ben Affleck daredevil, but, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man, this, this looks not great. And, uh, you know, I know people like to, to crap all over Jared Leto and I admit that Jared Leto uh, as a personality can be really annoying, but I, I don't think he's the antichrist people make him out to be. That said, like there's, there's nothing here that, that appeals to me. Like at least Venom has, you know, Tom Hardy doing his thing. Like this is just looks like, like Jared looks so, so restrained here. And I never thought I would say this, but I don't want him to be this restrained. <laughs> like I, like of all the movies for him to dial it down. in, it's weird that he chose the living vampire movie to, yeah. like, to, 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 to go <laughs> subtle or whatever. Like, I don't, I, I really don't you know. Yeah, after House of Gucci, you would think that, uh, I mean, I guess House, uh, this movie was filmed way before, but just like after seeing him in House of Gucci, uh, it, it's just like, maybe that is, as ridiculous as that performance was, like maybe that is the peak way to enjoy a Jared Leto performance, just like yeah. him completely unhinged and like almost in a, t- a totally different movie than everybody else. But um, what did you make of the Michael Keaton's presence in this trailer? I think he maybe showed up in the last one. It's been so long, I don't recall, but yeah, they seem was- to be like making him a, a point of focus in this new trailer. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I confess I'm like the one person in the world who still hasn't seen um what is it? Spider-Man No Way Home. I know oh, yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't either, actually. Oh wow, look at that. So I, I know <laughs> what happens in it by now because everyone knows, you know, I know about the multiverse and stuff like that, but I, I don't really understand what like the timeline of these movies now. Like, does the Michael Keaton version of the vulture exist in the Morbius world? I thought this was like a different thing than the 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 Peter the Tom Holland Spider-Man world. Like are they all supposed to be the same universe? Yeah, I, I, I honestly they thought are. they were supposed to be different, but Yeah, I think they're supposed to be like a little bit of MCU connection. Um and yeah, like I, I guess it's just Sony's playing this weird game where like they don't have like the the deal that they've struck with Marvel was this really tenuous thing with Spider-Man at the center of it. And so they're just like waiting around to see how much they can get away with, I think, in terms of like dropping references to things that may or may not pay off in huge ways later. So like in the in the meantime, they're sort of content with making these little, you know, Venom and this and like these uh, the Craven the Hunter movie that's coming up that are just going to sort of occupy this weird side space that they're just like fine with as long as it makes them enough money. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a weird thing. Uh, the, the one thing that jumped out at this tr- to me uh, in this trailer is like most trailer, uh, most movie trailers are really cut to hell. And you can tell that um, there's a lot of ADR, like dialogue replacement and stuff that, yeah. that are, you know, uh, that's dropped in there to sort of to tell a cohesive story over the course of a minute and a half or two minutes instead of. Uh, two hours or whatever. And this trailer is like one of the worst offenders I've ever seen at like every single shot. It feels like they couldn't get a clean line of dialogue from the movie uh, in this trailer without, you know, having somebody else come in and do voiceover work or like grabbing half of a sentence from another part of the movie and splicing it with this one. It's just like, if you just, uh, you know, don't even look at the visuals and just listen to this, it just sounds like a total nightmare. So uh, hopefully the movie ends up being fun. I, I don't think you or I really have like a ton of uh, a ton of hope for it, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, speaking of things that I don't really have a, a ton of hope for, a Twisted Metal series is coming to Peacock. I think actually maybe it was you and I again. We talked about a Twisted Metal show. This I know was like a long time ago. Um, Anthony Mackie is attached to star in this, and it's a live action series based on 
the popular video games where uh, we, were, <laughs> we were talking right before we started recording and we were like, yeah, there's like an ice cream truck and a clown and cars. <laughs> like that's kind of all we know yeah. about Twisted Metal. Um, but this is coming to Peacock. And uh, I wanted to use this as a springboard to also mention that um, Yellowstone season four is going to be streaming on Peacock next month and just sort of like take a step back and look at like a a 30,000 foot view of where Peacock sits in the streaming wars right now. Um, Chris, I know that they are working a lot with Taylor Sheridan, the the creator of um, Yellowstone, and they have all these different Yellowstone spinoffs and everything sort of in the works, but uh, Yellowstone, I think, is the the sort of signature show for the uh, Paramount Plus, and uh, right now, even though it's like not necessarily owned by them, you know, it's like a universal, yeah. it's like a Peacock thing. So, uh, I just wanted to sort of ask you your general thoughts on Peacock, like you know, as somebody who is definitely tapped into all these different streaming services and uh, you know, seeing what's going on all the time, where do you think they're sitting right now? And do you think that the, um, the influx of Yellowstone will sort of help them become more of a a bigger player? Yeah. You know, um, I, I haven't seen Yellowstone. I, I don't have, uh, Peacock or isn't it like a Paramount show? Why isn't it streaming there? I don't know. It's so confusing, But, but I do think, I mean, Peacock has this. I mean, <laughs> and, and uh, like, I can't think of anything else they have. They have the, that upcoming Tiger King show. It's called like Joe versus Carol, but that feels like who cares about that? Like, I, I don't know. It just seems like they're reaching a point where all they're going to be is, uh, you know, like sort of just like left out in the, in the cold here. I can't imagine like a lot of people subscribe to Peacock. I like, do you subscribe to Peacock? Ben? I, I mean, I have the free version, but I almost never watch anything on yeah. there. Um, I, I think, you know, like I, I wanted to see the new Halloween movie and that was like, uh, available for an extra fee, like Peacock premium or whatever for like the paid thing. And I was just like, I kind of have this free version sitting here. I don't really want to upgrade just to watch, you know, one or two Peacock original movies or shows or whatever. So I'm just going to keep this free thing. And I just wonder how much of that is is happening. And just to clarify something before I was talking about uh, Peacock working a lot with Taylor Sheridan. That was actually my mistake. Uh, Paramount Plus is the service Ah. that is is working a lot with Taylor Sheridan. But this um, Yellowstone season four is going to be streaming on Peacock, which is like you were saying, like, why is that not all under the Paramount Plus banner? Uh, yeah, that that I think is like linked to um, deals that were made, you know, before um, Paramount Plus became its own big streaming service. But uh, but just the fact that season four is going to begin streaming on Peacock next month and Yellowstone is like one of the biggest shows on TV. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of see what you thought about it. And it sounds like uh, I think this is this this speaks to that. Like there is a definite definite like streaming service bubble right now and it's going to burst because you know the thing that appealed to everyone about streaming was we could cut the cord from cable and we wouldn't have to subscribe to all this junk we didn't need and now it's like i gotta subscribe to 10 different things if i want to watch a bunch of shows and it's it's just it's getting to the point where i don't i there's no way all these services can last there's there's like no there's no way. I just I, I I can't imagine them all surviving into the future. Like Netflix yeah. will obviously always be around. And I think like Amazon and Hulu, those are like the major ones. And maybe HBO Max, maybe that's because I really like HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems like every other 
few months, there's a new service and it's, it's like, you don't all need your own. I know the logic behind it. It's like, why should we farm this out and we can keep it ourselves and make all the money. But mm-hmm. that, you know, that requires act, people, actual subscriptions. Right. Like, like, Are you actually making yeah, all the money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, I just feel like there's good, like, I, I belong to like seven streaming services and there's still stuff I don't have access to because it, I'm not going to you know keep signing up for shit. It's just yeah. like, I, I don't need all these services. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think we wrote an article not too long ago about how Peacock lost like a tremendous amount of money over the last year. And um, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you where I feel like Maybe Apple might stick around too because they make so much money selling phones and electronics and whatever that like the streaming thing is just sort of a side gig for them in the same way that Amazon is. Maybe they'll stick around. Maybe they'll end up coming calling for one of these and and sort of, you know, acquisitions will start flying around. I don't know. I mean, I I kind of hate that that is probably the inevitable uh, end game for what's going to happen here because I love the idea of all of these different places existing for the creators who can like take them around and shop their projects around. If they get turned down at one, maybe this other one will accept it, whatever. And it sort of helps, uh, you know, broaden the amount of the diversity of, uh, of stuff that we get to see. Um, if all these different people are, are sort of running things and obviously like as you consolidate, um, the people making the, the approval decisions at the top of the chain uh, narrow down to fewer and fewer people. So um, that sort of presents a, a bit of a problem, but then you're balancing that with what you're talking about of like everybody just feeling burned out on having to subscribe to all this stuff all the time. So I don't really know what the solution is, but uh, I would love it if we got there soon because <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it feels ridiculous at this point. So yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the SAG Awards very briefly. We don't have to go through the the whole thing here, but we do have uh, an article on the website about the the big winners and what it all means and everything. Um, so I encourage you to to click the link in the show notes. But Chris, maybe just run through a couple of the the big headlines from the SAG Awards, which I think took place last night. Yeah. So the SAG Awards are, of course, the Screen Actor Guilds Awards. So they're 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 focused primarily on performances, and so uh, Will Smith won for King Richard for best actor in a leading role. Uh, Jessica Chastain won for the eyes of Tammy Faye for female actor, which I got to say, I I'm a big Jessica Chastain fan, but of all the performances she's given and she's given some great performances for this, like really hammy over the top, heavily makeup performance to be the one that finally wins her awards is like, I think <laughs> just a reflection of, of how awful award shows are in general. Like, come on, this is the one. This th- and I, you know, I don't think she gives a bad performance in this movie, but it's so over the top, and it's like a it's like a feature length SNL skit. And this is the movie people are like, give her awards. Like, oh come on, come on, really? We're okay, so this? real quick, um, would you? Because I think I, I want to say I saw some people guessing or, or predicting rather that um, Nicole Kidman might win this for being the Ricardos. Right. And that sort of strikes me as the same type. I have oh, not oh. seen the eyes of Tammy Faye, but that sort of strikes me as the same type of thing. Do you, would you be saying the same thing if Nicole Kidman won? Absolutely. Look, okay. Nicole Kidman, like, please don't come for me. I, Nicole Kidman, great actress. I love Nicole Kidman. But her her work in being the Ricardos is is like I, I don't want to say it's one of her worst performances because it's not bad but it's so 
average. It's like, come on, there were so many better performances mm. from that from from last year. Anyway, what else do we have? Um, really, the big thing here is uh, the movie Coda won outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, which is basically the SAG equivalent of Best Picture. And uh, that has everyone thinking like maybe Coda is now going to be the, the best picture front runner. Um, I I haven't seen Coda yet. Uh, it's, I, I know it's I've heard really good things about it. I just have not gotten around to see it. So I can't comment on the film's quality. Uh, I still have a hard time believing that this movie is like the Oscar front runner now just because of this. Because I, I know obviously Apple is pushing it hard right now, but they they really sort of like slept on this movie up until like right now but maybe that's the secret maybe the secret is to like play it really cool and then at the last minute when everyone's voting push the movie on them yeah. maybe that maybe that will pay off for them but i i have a hard time believing that's gonna win best picture but i could be wrong who knows yeah i guess that the mentality behind that kind of strategy is that like it's not uh what is it called like over uh oversaturated in the right. marketplace right so um yeah i was curious what you thought about like if coda actually stands a chance because like uh i think the power of the dog had something like 11 or 12 oscar nominations and uh, like across multiple different categories and the sags as you mentioned are the, the screen actors guild so that's all actors voting on this and the actors are a huge branch of the voting body of the academy so yeah uh, they they definitely have a lot of sway in you know in in who wins best picture um but i was curious if you if you thought that like the uh the impressive showing of the power of the dog in terms of uh, its Oscar nominations maybe um, outweighs uh, the, the SAG um, sort of push that Coda received last night. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. At the same time, I also feel like power of the dog is a very, um, what's the word? It's not a, uh, I don't want to say polarizing. It's just not a very uh, easy movie to watch. And I, whenever I think of the Oscars, I, I think of them, in terms of being like, what goes down smoothest? And, you know, of course that's yeah. not always true. Like, you know, I did not think Parasite was going to win all those awards and it did. And I was thrilled. So, you know, every now and then the Oscars can surprise us, but uh, it just seems like that movie is too like bleak for lack of a better term to win best picture. Yeah. It doesn't have that sense of like uh, it's over and you go out and just tell everyone, you know, like, Oh yeah. man, you got to check this out. And that's kind of how Coda is. It's very much like a, a crowd pleaser in that way yeah. so um yeah I'm, I'm very curious to see like the you know we've been talking about this for a few years now but like the um the influx of uh international voters and like uh, younger voters into the academy um has sort of changed the dynamic a lot so um every year it just sort of seems like uh you know whatever wins the oscar it's now like a um a referendum on like what the academy uh awards body looks like i mean we all just sort of it's it's a little mysterious because you don't know exactly like who voted how or whatever but um it just sort of like gives us a, a snapshot of like what we think the the uh their this group is like trying to say as a voting body even though it doesn't really work that way but um yeah. okay so let's let's get into the real reason that i wanted to have you on the podcast today and steven spielberg is making a new movie chris what do you think about this yeah, so Steven Spielberg uh, is going to make a new movie about Bullet, the character from the the Steve McQueen movie Bullet. Uh, this isn't to be clear. This is not a remake. It's it's like a new movie that will feature that character, uh, obviously played by a new actor since Steve McQueen is no longer with us. And I'm I'm pumped for this man. Um, it's worth noting that uh, this is probably not going to be his next movie because there's still some work to do, and he loves he loves to work. And I I actually read. 
the other day that he's considering making a Western first, which would also be friggin' amazing as a wow. Western. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just thrilled that he's still going because obviously his his next movie, the one coming out next, is The Fablemans, and that movie is uh, supposedly like the most autobiographical thing he's ever done. It's literally based on his his childhood and and him growing up to become a filmmaker. And, uh, you know, Steve Spielberg, he's getting up there in age. And I had this really bad feeling that maybe he was going to retire, that, you know, the Fablemans was going to be his swan song. Like, I'm making my this movie about me and then I'm going to hang it up. Uh, but no, he's he's apparently still going to keep going. And I'm just thrilled about that. And, uh, you know, even though I was concerned, I also know that Steven Spielberg loves to work. He is a workaholic. You know, he's a guy who, who makes two movies in one year if he can. So... Uh, I, I have a feeling now, now that I know he's not retiring, I have a feeling that he's probably just going to keep directing until he literally drops dead. And uh, we're hopefully we'll get a lot more movies out of him until then. that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, what's your relationship with bullet Chris? Cause I saw this movie a long time ago, probably when I was you know 18 or something and I have not revisited it since then. I actually was just scrolling through. I still subscribe to cable and I was looking through uh, what's coming up on Turner Classic Movies in the next couple weeks and saw that Bullet was coming on there. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm DVRing this because of the the new Spielberg thing. So I'm going to refresh it uh, or refresh myself uh, with this movie. But I I just remember the car chase. I mean, that that's like the the defining thing of this movie. But um, do you have a, a relationship with Bullet? Do you know this movie really well? Or what do you no, think? I'm right there with you where I saw it a long time ago when I, when I was a teenager. And, uh, you know, obviously the thing that like you said, the thing that stands out to everyone is that, that car chase. So, uh, but that alone is like, I mean, Spielberg knows how to shoot a car chase. You know, his first real feature was a uh, duel, obviously, which is a big car chase movie. And the Sugarland express is full of car chases too. So, uh, the idea of Spielberg, like I'm going to do a car chase movie again. It's like, yeah, let's do that. That's going to rule. So uh, I, I feel like anyone like doubting this news is like, showing their ass for lack of a better term because like come on at this point do you really have that little have like no faith in, in steven spielberg who <laughs> who knows exactly what he's doing uh you know pretty much at all times at this point so i i i'm i'm up for whatever spielberg does uh last question and i don't think he would do this but what what would you how would you react if Word came out tomorrow that Spielberg was going to do a uh, a digitally de-aged version of um, of Steve Steve McQueen, like a you know use another actor as the body double and uh, sort of like shoot the movie in the style of the nineteen sixty eight Bullet movie. Oh man, I don't, it, the de-aged thing would probably give me pause, honestly, and I think he's above doing that knock on wood i i i yeah i i i don't know what he's gonna do here but i really hope he doesn't <laughs> do something like that i hope so too uh final question is there somebody just like gut check that you think oh man it would be really cool to see somebody play you know a, a car driving detective in a spielberg movie maybe that you he know, hasn't worked with yet or maybe a, a frequent collaborator anybody like that yeah it really depends like if he's trying to make this like an actual sequel to, to bullet and he needs someone who sort of looks like Steve McQueen. I would kind of go with maybe like Daniel Craig. He already worked with him on Munich and Daniel mm. Craig rules. Yeah. However, if, uh, there's a part of me that wants him to like go completely against the grain. And I was thinking about this just in terms of, I want these two to work together and the idea, I really want him to work with Denzel Washington. So give me like a cop movie directed by Steven Spielberg 
with Denzel Washington driving cars around and smashing through shit. And that would be like the best movie ever made. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, that sounds incredible. Um, Cause like I was, I was just thinking the other day, like Denzel Washington, he's like one of the last movie stars we have, like real old school movie stars. Yeah. And I was like, have has Spielberg and Denzel Washington worked together? And, no and the they sure is no that is insane i'm like racking my brain i'm like they must have worked together at some point and maybe like a per- crazy maybe like a producer thing but he I, I i off the top of my head i can't remember him ever directing denzel washington or anything. wow so the idea of spielberg directing denzel washington is really cool to me and like here's a here's a cool uh thing <laughs> For them to work together on, like really, just put him in. Just I want them to work together in general. But like since since this is something that's on the horizon, yeah, I think that might be a good fit. Man, that sounds great. And I, I you know, I, I don't really love the Equalizer franchise, and like it's clear that Denzel likes doing that stuff, or maybe he just likes working with Anton Antoine Fuqua, who yeah. directs those movies. So like if. If that, you know, in this uh, magical scenario that you've laid out before me, if, if that um, sort of like allowed Denzel to uh, scratch his action movie star itch while also maybe taking another Equalizer movie off the board instead and having him work with Spielberg, that would be uh, sort of the best of both worlds. So, yeah, uh, I love that choice. If you out there are listening and have any other uh, sort of fantasy castings just for our own fun and amusement. If you want to send those to us, we'd love to hear them. Uh, but I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's show. You can find more about all the stories on uh, that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peer at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That does help us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Again, I'm not sure exactly when, maybe tomorrow, sometime this week. Who knows? Definitely soon. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 